0: Okay, here we go. Um, Happy New Year. I am honored to be here giving my testimony tonight and sharing how God has blessed me. And I just want to say to Steve Murphy, it only took you six years to get me up here, so that's not too bad. (laughs) I am a servant of Jesus, and I struggle with... (laughs) With some nerves, but let me get that going. Okay, here we go. I'm a servant of Jesus who struggles with depression and people pleasing. My name is Dan. Thank you. But those struggles are just symptoms of my real struggle. I didn't understand my purpose, so I tried to use God to make myself happy instead of surrendering to God so that He could use me. Without purpose, my problems felt overwhelming. My successes felt shallow, and life felt empty. My parents accepted Jesus into their hearts as young adults before I was born, and he radically transformed their lives. After that, they were committed to living for Jesus and telling others the good news. We had prayer meetings in our home. The grown-ups would talk, pray, and sing songs around a guitar, Many people accepted Jesus into their hearts. Us kids would wander in and out all evening. We could spend part of the time participating with the adults and part of the time playing somewhere else. There was tremendous freedom, and there was a sweetness that I can't describe. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand how special it was because it was all I had ever known. And I know that my memory is through the lens of a child, and that life wasn't perfect. But for many years, I longed to get back to the way I felt during that time. It felt like home. In third grade, we moved from Wisconsin to Oklahoma so that my dad could enroll at Ramo Bible College. My parents worked very hard to provide a good home for us. My dad was a full-time student, and he also worked several jobs to support his family but he was never too tired to find time for his six kids. My mom took care of our household, and she made sure that we knew we were loved and celebrated. But money was tight, and we missed our friends, and we missed our family in Wisconsin. I signed up for Cub Scouts, but my parents couldn't afford to buy me a uniform, and it was hard for my mom to get me to the Cub Scout meetings, so I quit. I didn't enjoy it anyway because I didn't like being the new kid. I don't consider that story to be some major hardship that I had to face, but it's a good snapshot of how I began to view my life. I made it my purpose to avoid causing trouble and to fit in. If a person asked me what I wanted, I couldn't tell them because I didn't know. I was playing a role. I tried to determine what they wanted to hear or what would cause the least trouble or what would look acceptable. Now don't get me wrong, I had a lot of good times too and special moments with my family and my friends. I'm very thankful for my family and I'm blessed to be part of it. But I decided that I would never be happy in Oklahoma. I would simply endure it. I would live again when we moved back to Wisconsin where everything was perfect or so I thought. I was also introduced to legalism. Legalism is a soul-crushing approach to faith where you focus more on the rules and less on knowing Jesus. One time, me and my friends sat down during the singing part of church, and someone scolded us and said, if Jesus could hang on a cross for six hours for you boys, I think you can stand for a few minutes and sing for him. I didn't question things like that. I just felt guilty, and I stood during the singing part from then on. People boasted about how much time they spent reading their Bibles and praying. I felt guilty when I didn't pray or read my Bible. Some people turned faith into a personal accomplishment and said that God answered their prayers because their faith was strong. I didn't always see results when I prayed, so I felt guilty about my lack of faith. The freedom that I had known was being replaced with rules. By the time I got to high school, I no longer expected that my family would would move back to Wisconsin. I went to Edison High School right here in Tulsa. I started to become more engaged, but I still focused on fitting in more than living a genuine life or setting goals. For example, I played baseball, but I didn't try to get better at it, I didn't try to make the varsity team. I was just happy to be part of a team. So I played a limited role on the junior varsity team until I basically aged out of that. And I played trumpet in the band, but I didn't work on trying to become a good trumpet player. And then I quit, because I decided that being in the band wouldn't help me look cool. (laughs) I didn't go to parties and I didn't drink because I was a Christian. I thought that this meant that I would never fit in, and this became a self-fulfilling prophecy because I limited my interactions with my classmates. I started going to a church called Evangelistic Temple. Today, that church is called Spirit Life Church. My social life revolved around my youth group, and I'm thankful for my youth group. They're still some of my best friends to this day. Our church sang a song with the words, the reason I live is to worship you, and I wrestled with that. I knew that that should be true, but the reason I worshiped was because I had a contract with God. I would worship him, and he would give me a good life so I could be happy. This is what I thought faith was. After high school, I went to a Christian college near Chicago called Wheaton College, and I loved it at Wheaton College. Nearly all my classmates were sincere, committed Christians. They shared my values, they shared my interests, and they shared my beliefs. I felt free to be myself. It felt like home. But I didn't plan for life after college. I didn't have any aspirations. On a whim, I applied to law school. The University of Tulsa offered me a scholarship that covered most of my tuition. I thought, I might as well get a law degree while I figure out what I want to do with my life. (laughs) During law school, I stumbled upon pornography. This turned into a habit. I felt shame and I felt guilt at this secret sin. I thought my Christian friends would reject me if they knew the truth. God helped me overcome this, and I don't struggle with this today. But the truth is, it was just another symptom of the real problem. You see, sin is an illegitimate response to a legitimate need. And just saying no to sin did not address my need. I needed to say yes to something better, I needed a purpose. I graduated, and I accepted a job as a lawyer. I didn't really want to be a lawyer, but I had no other ideas. I closed my office door on the first day of my job, and I imagined the sound of a prison door shutting. I felt trapped. Around this time, I started going to a new church in town called Believer's Church. The pastor at this church taught that my righteousness is not based on what I do. It's based on what Jesus did for me and my response to him. Now, I already knew this intellectually, but he helped me to really understand and believe it. This message of grace poured life into my soul, but I still lacked a greater purpose than trying to be happy. I also got my first serious girlfriend. I believed a relationship would make me happy. I made this relationship an idol, and I prioritized it over everything else, but it didn't make me happy. I was miserable. And I was depressed. I want to make something clear. I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying that having a relationship wasn't the answer I needed. I was convinced that I needed a fresh start. I quit my job and I applied to Oklahoma State University to study counseling. As soon as I quit my job, the cloud of depression lifted up off of me. I was convinced Oh, I skipped a line. Um, Two years later, I graduated, and I became a licensed professional counselor. I thought that I had found the key to happiness, but it didn't last. My happiness was from the hope of a new career, not from the actual experience. Around 2006, I met Michelle, and we got... we got married in 2008, Michelle comes as close as a person can to seeing me like Jesus does. She She didn't see depression and insecurity. She saw the potential for me to be the man that God created me to be. She's the sweetest person I know, and she's become my best friend. But Michelle and I were unable to have children. This devastated me, and it put me in a perpetual state of sadness. I thought that I needed to be a dad to be happy. I strung together a full-time job as a counselor, along with a part-time job as an adjunct professor and part-time work as a lawyer. My last counseling job was at a women's prison called Eddie Warrior Correctional Center. (laughs) I worked there as a group counselor for about four years, and it was a privilege to be able to work with these women. Seeing some of them change blessed me, but I still was not happy. It turns out that my career never was the problem. I went back to being a lawyer full time, which is what I do today. In 2019, I started biking as a hobby. And in 2021, I was on pace to achieve my goal of riding 3,000 miles for the year. Then I broke my back in a biking accident. I was in a back brace, and I was restricted to lifting 10 pounds. If I took a full breath, it triggered painful back spasms. When my doctor cleared me to ride again, I could only go a few miles at a slow speed. In fact, I still haven't fully recovered from this injury. This was physically and emotionally painful. Everything that made me happy eventually disappointed me. In some ways, I have always been a positive person. I always believed that I would be happy one day, and I believe that happiness was always just around the corner. I would say, I'll be happy when we move back to Wisconsin, or after I graduate, or after I overcome this sin, or after I find the right career, or after I get married, or after I have kids. But now I had no milestones to look to for hope, so I lost hope. I decided that the best I could do was continue to meet life's responsibilities while trying to enjoy little pockets of fun where I could find them. Things like a vacation, a home improvement project, or my favorite team in the playoffs. And this is how I would live out my days until I died. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, it was all meaningless. I believed in God, but I was responding to life's challenges as if God didn't exist. If I couldn't fix a problem, it would stay broken. If you prayed for me, I appreciated that you cared, but I didn't expect your prayers to change things. I genuinely believed in the power of God to change a life, just not mine. I was already a Christian. In December of 2021, I joined a step study. When I started, God showed me something. I've been repelling one time in my life, This is basically where you tie yourself to a rope at the top of a cliff, and then you go over the edge and you scale down the cliff for fun. The scariest part was falling backwards off the edge. I wanted to make sure that I could catch myself if the rope failed, but that's impossible because you can't fall off a cliff and not fall off a cliff at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) When I trusted the rope and I fell backwards, I was free and I scaled down, and it was a lot of fun. Spiritually, I had the same problem. I wanted to trust God, but make sure I could catch myself if he failed. I shared with the men in my group that I was desperately unhappy, and they prayed for me. And this prayer changed my life, but not immediately. I went to a Celebrate Recovery meeting the next Friday night. I knew that I needed to surrender. But I didn't know what I needed to surrender. I told God I would surrender, but he would have to show me what to surrender and give me the grace to do it. I admitted that I was powerless, and I fell off the cliff and into the arms of Jesus. Around this time, my church began a series on Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. I continued meeting with my step study brothers and my sponsor, while Michelle and I devoted ourselves to going through this book. Each evening, we read the chapter together, and then we discussed it and prayed together. This was a tremendously blessed time for both of us and for our marriage. Gradually, at first, and then suddenly, God opened my eyes. He showed me Matthew six thirty one through 33, which says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I identified that as my life verse over 20 years ago. But now, it was like God flipped a switch, and I could see that I had been reading it backwards. Pagans run after the perfect job, perfect health, great friends, and a perfect family. They believe that if they have these things, they will be happy. I was running after the same things, but putting a religious spin on it. I was seeking seeking God so that he would give me a good life so that I could be happy but that's not seeking God first. That's trying to use God. God takes care of my needs because he loves me, but I seek him because that is my purpose. I surrendered my pursuit of happiness through trying to have a perfect life and God gave me something better. He gave me purpose, which gives me joy and that doesn't depend on my external circumstances. I'm not playing a role anymore trying to fit in or avoid trouble or look acceptable. I can be myself because that is who God made me to be. My life matters because God created me for a purpose. I can fulfill my purpose and have joy wherever I live or whether I have kids or not or whether I am strong enough to ride a bike or not. Those are all good things, but my purpose is bigger. I'm thankful now for my career as a lawyer because it fits my God-given gifts and it gives me, it gives me many opportunities to fulfill my purpose. I'm afraid to take a drink again, but, I, <laughs> but I, I have to. <laughs> Thank you. So don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with happiness. I do nice things for Michelle to make her happy. But if I didn't love her, it wouldn't matter. God does the same thing for me. He gives me good things, and he delights in my happiness. But the happiness that comes from knowing that God loves me is what really matters. Now, this part right here is really good. I want you to pay attention. (laughs) God took my greatest weakness... And he turned it into a strength. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says that God's power is made perfect in our weakness, so that where we are weak, through God's grace, we are strong. Depression used to lead me to hopelessness, but now it restores my hope because it leads me to Jesus. When I get depressed, it's a signal to me that I'm getting distracted from my purpose. This brings my focus back to God and his purpose for me, and it renews my joy. The devil tried to destroy my life with depression, but God uses it as a beacon to draw me back to him. Yeah, that's good. You can clap. (laughs) Finding purpose has brought meaning to my life, but my hope is based on what is to come. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis wrote these words If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I believe that the prayer meetings from my childhood felt like home, and the Christian fellowship at Wheaton College felt like home because they were little glimpses of my future home but they can't compare to the real thing. I'm not looking backwards anymore, trying to recapture moments from my past, and I'm not trying to create the perfect life in the present. I'm looking forward to the day when I will finally be home. But until that day, by God's grace, I will run with endurance the race set out for me while I fix my eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of my faith. To the newcomer, I have rewritten this testimony over and over trying to find the right words to explain what God has done for me because I want him to do the same thing for you. I have been praying that God will use me to show other people his goodness, but I can't do it. Only God can open your eyes. All I can do is tell my story and testify to his goodness and pray that he opens your eyes so you can experience it too. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give you abundant life. Abundant life does not mean getting all the stuff you want. It means knowing that God has forgiven you. And it means knowing that you are fulfilling your purpose today. And it means knowing that you will spend eternity with him in heaven. If this is what you want, if this is the cry of your heart, I invite you to take a blue chip tonight. There's nothing magic about a little piece of blue plastic or a step study, or any other part of a Bible-based 12-step program. Don't let these become empty rules. They are just a way to help you surrender so that God can change your life. I have been in five step studies now. The first four were all good, but the fifth one changed my life. Don't give up if you don't feel different immediately and don't give up if you have setbacks and don't give up if it takes longer than you think it should God's grace is sufficient for you just keep coming back